We are glad that you're here with us today. Uh, my name is Josh. My wife and I, Brittany, are the lead pastors here at Greenville First. If we haven't had a chance to meet you, we always find ourselves in the lobby after service. We love a chance to just connect, get to know you. Uh, Oftentimes that can be intimidating if today's your first day, but uh, we won't bite, I promise. We're really nice people. Uh, and so we would love to just connect with you because we know that, that, that God's got us all on this journey. And our, and our heartbeat here at Greenville First is that you would experience the life-changing message of Jesus and that we would begin to journey with you from where you are to where Jesus wants you to be, which means everybody's got a place on that journey. And so uh, thanks for being here. Uh, we're going to be uh, continuing in our series Pursue today, uh, which has kind of been birthed out of our vision for this year. And our vision for this year is for the one. And, and this comes, you'll see that in the hallway if this is your first time here or you've been gone the past couple of weeks. We've got these wonderful little uh, labels, stickers, decals in the hallway uh, just to remind us why we are here. And it is for the one. And all of this births from Luke chapter 15 where, where Jesus, uh, he, he tells these three parables about the lost sheep, the lost coin. And, uh, and today and, and last week, we were in the third parable, which is the parable of the prodigal son. But I really believe that, that that's the name that if you were raised in church, you're in Sunday school, you've, you've known it as the parable of the prodigal son. But for today, I, 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 we're going to rename it because I feel like it's a little more fitting. And it's the parable of the lost sons, plural. And we'll get there in a moment. Uh, but last week uh, was Valentine's Day, and so uh, I didn't want to change up our series, and, and, and I felt like God was kind of steering me, hey, let's, let's talk and look at some of the relational aspects that we find in this parable. And so uh, if you need some relational advice from uh, the, the prodigal son, just go back and listen to last week's message. Uh, but a, a couple of our church folks grabbed me in the lobby last week and they said, Pastor, uh, when you said that you were going to Luke 15 and we were talking about the parable of the prodigal son and then you said you're going you're gonna to talk about relationships, I've heard a lot of messages on the prodigal son. I really didn't know how you were going to make it work. But you got there. And then they went on to give me a challenge. And they said, we've heard about every perspective of the prodigal son. From the perspective of the, of the lost son, of the father, you know, the older brother. But we've never heard one from the perspective of the fattened calf. <laughs> We're not going to hear it today either. Then a couple of days go by, and I get another text message from one of the individuals that's in, in this conversation. He said, I have a coworker. He's got a better challenge for you. He wants to hear it from the perspective of the pigs in the, in the pig pen. We're not going to hear that either. But I did find some humorous cartoons that, uh, that would at least give us a, a moment. There's a big party tonight. The master's lost son has returned home, and he specifically requested for the fattest calf to be there. That one moment that that calf was, was real, he had no clue what was in store for him. And then we find the pigs. This is a good one. I feel sorry for that prodigal son. Somebody needs to order him a pizza. So the title of today's message is not order that guy a pizza, Okay. Uh, if that's ever the title of a message on a Sunday morning, um, 
I've had a lot of coffee uh, that week and in, in, in preparation uh, for that. But we're, we're going to be diving into this, this parable, the lost sons. And if you're not familiar with this parable, uh, I, I want to give you kind of a little bit of context because uh, Jesus, uh, when we say parable, it's, it's stories that Jesus told to illustrate and communicate the gospel and teach lessons when he was living on this earth. And, 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 he gets here in, in, in chapter 15, and the reason he, anytime he's telling things in like multiples, it's because he's really trying to drive home a point. And there's some tension going on here in the context because there's tax collectors and sinners that are present. Those were the people that Jesus actually, he came for the lost. And, and then there's some religious leaders here present, and they didn't like the fact that all these, Jesus is hanging out with all these bad people. And so Jesus takes that moment to begin to teach. And so he tells these stories that begin to reveal the heart of God for the lost. The reason why Jesus walked this earth was not for the healthy, for the sick, not for the found, but the lost. And, uh, and so we, we pick up in, in, in this third parable, and it's the biggest chunk of this chapter in Luke, Luke 15. And it's this story of two brothers. Now, I don't know if you have a brother uh, or brothers, but brothers are just, that's, that's, if there wasn't enough tension with the Pharisees and sinners and tax collectors, you throw two brothers into the story and it's just a good little mix there. I have a brother and I love my brother, but we also have two sons that are brothers and there are some interesting dynamics with them. If you've ever met if you've been here before, you've heard stories. I get questions. Are we going to hear any stories about the kids today? You will almost always hear stories about my kids on Sunday mornings. Why? Because I believe that God speaks through them and they're just wonderful, wonderful, uh, the joy that they bring to our life. But, but when, I, when I look at my boys, they can go from like zero to 100 on the love-hate scale pretty quick. Yeah, y'all have siblings, you know, the ones who are chuckling or your parents, you know. They go, our, our boys go from like, they will run and they will plan and they will scheme. Even last night, I'm on the, my, I, I'm on the couch and the couch in our living room is right by the staircase. So, so all of a sudden it is 10 o'clock. Now I talked about giving our kids gummies last week in this service and I got in a little bit of trouble for it. Really, the only time we ever give them gummies are on Saturday nights because our morning starts really early on Sundays. And Brittany and I, we, we, it's a family adventure. I mean, we're rolling kids in bedhead. Today, we, we even had the dog with us in tow. I mean, it's, it's just, if you ever want to see an adventure, just join our family on Sunday mornings, you know, trying to get out for church. And anyways, uh, there's a story. Why the, anyways, the dog. Uh, <laughs> Pastor Zach was like doing worship practice and the dog just comes like running in. He's like, oh, there's a dog here. Awesome. Uh, back to last night. So uh, normally we put our kids to bed early, give them a couple of gummies. I don't know if they got gummies last night. That's probably why they were still awake at 10 o'clock because they ate ice cream at like 8. I mean, we were just, we're winning as parents right now. I'm telling you. Uh, but I'm looking over my notes. This is my normal night, Saturday night routine. And all of a sudden I hear feet hit the floor. And that's normal, like one of them get up, use the restroom, go back to bed. But right after I heard one set, I heard another set. <laughs> and I knew. So you hear the feet walking across, and then all of a sudden, our oldest is peeking over the staircase. Like, is the coast clear? 
Well, to his surprise, he sees dad looking right back at him. And he smiles. He's as sweet as he can be. He's like, I thought you were asleep. (laughs) I'm like, this story's getting real interesting right now. And then Jensen, our four-year-old, says, yeah, because we were going to sneak in in y'all's bed tonight. I'm like, they're scheming hours before they were ready to take each other's heads off at the dinner table. You know, I don't know how this happens, but there's this dynamic with, with brothers especially that's just very interesting. And so in addition to the Pharisees and this tension, now Jesus starts telling a story about two brothers that are, that are kind of opposite spectrums here. And so there's some, a, a few things, because I, I think when we look at this story, oftentimes we instantly go to the prodigal, the youngest son, the, the lost son, the one that makes this, this bad decision to ask for his inheritance. But there's more to this. And the reason we're talking about lost sons today is because I believe that both brothers missed it. And so we're going we're gonna to dive in. So our, our, our first point, if you're taking notes this morning, is this is the separation begins when we want the things of the Father, yet don't want the relationship. <laughs> Y'all feeling it? Because <laughs> I was feeling it. Luke 15, 11 through 13. So this is the beginning of this, this story. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided the property between them, and not long after that, the younger son got all that, together all that he had and set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth and wild living. Here in the, just this snippet, how do you get from, from verse 13 where he leaves and goes and squanders everything, how do we get to this point? Well, it started in verse 12 when he asked for stuff but didn't want relationship. And it's easy for us to look at the, the, the lost, the rebellious, the, the younger child. I, I, can, I can connect to this younger child because I'm the youngest in our family. And there's just something, if you're a youngest child in here, let's just be real. We're a little, little selfish sometimes. No other youngest children in here. First service, we had a couple. You know, when we don't get our way, it rubs us a little more than probably the rest of the family. Why? Because we were babied. We were pampered. We got everything we wanted normally. I mean, we got a little extra attention. We were the last one in the house. We actually, you know, remember what it's like to not have any other kids at home. You know, if you're the oldest and the kids keep coming, you really don't remember what it's like with life before everybody else. Us young, we we become territorial a little bit. It's all about us. I don't like that decision. I, no, no, that even, even like, I don't know. I, I can just relate to the youngest child here of being a little selfish. But, but it all goes wrong, not just because he's selfish, but because he wanted everything that the father could offer, but did not want relationship with his father. That's where things begin to turn south. And so it's easy for us to look and say, well, he must have just been rebellious. He must have just been this evil, this, this wild hair. He, he was at that point of life, you know. I don't know about you, but that wouldn't have gone over very well in my household growing up. For me to look at my dad and say, dad, I'm 18. I'm ready to, to move out 
Give me everything, everything that you've worked so hard for, everything that you've stored up for retirement. I mean, people, the dad's not dead yet. (laughs) He's asking for things that actually the father would have needed to continue. He's asking a lot of the father. But the father sells his land. In the Greek, this word here is actually bios. And bios is biology, like life. He is asking his father to alter his life so that he can go and squander it. This is the greatest extreme of someone who says, I want everything you can give me, but I don't want you. I don't know of a relationship in this world that would flourish and would continue to to, to bring this beautiful moment of restoration that's coming. But it's easy for us to chalk that up because we see the decisions, the crazy decisions that this brother, he goes and he blows it all and he ends up in his pigsty. And most of us, when we read this story, we're like, serves you right. Most of us, when we really look through the lens of how this would play out in our life, we can't even comprehend how the father even wraps his arms around him and loves him where he's at. But can I tell you, As much as we can point fingers at someone who would make these evil, sinful decisions, even those of us who have been walking in relationship with Jesus, there are so many times I believe that this is this is a a, it's a cancer in the church that people want everything that God has to offer, but they don't want the relationship. It's not just about. Are there, are there lost sons out there that are squandering their inheritance and blowing everything? Absolutely. But equally as sad and equally as heartbreaking are those who say, God, I want your blessings. God, I want your favor. God, I want, I want to be able to have a Facebook status that says I'm a Christian and I'm, and I'm a, a, a conservative politic uh, on, on, my, on my platform. God, I want these things so that other people look and know me by them. But I don't want relationship with you. You know how that plays out? God, I don't want to spend time with you. God, when you really ask me to sacrifice and do something with my life, I don't want anything about it. Because I just want everything on the byproduct of this. On the others, God, I just want my inheritance. I want to live a good life. I want to be able to have a clean conscience. But I really don't want you. Now, you may not utter those words. But I can tell you there's seasons of my life that I, I was that lost son. There are days that I still have to check my attitude to say, why do I, why do I have these motivations? Why do I want this? Why, why? Because we've got a, a heart issue. We get off. We get out of sync. It's real easy to point at the younger brother and say, well, well he's the lost son. No, both sons were lost. Because they wanted the stuff of the father, but they didn't want the relationship with the father. So what happens when we begin to reject God? What, hap- what, what does that look like in my life? Well, at first, it may feel freeing that you have no accountability for the decisions you're making. But can I tell you, it ends in utter misery. It may feel free for a season, but it's not going to feel free forever. A few months ago, 
well, a month ago, six weeks ago probably, we were, we were in, uh, in Gatlinburg. And um, Cohen, I, I should have prepped. This isn't in my notes, but uh, everybody first service appreciated it, so hopefully you will too. Uh, <laughs> or I would have had the video that my wonderful wife recorded of my humiliating moment, but it, we'll get there in a moment. Um, we're in Gatlinburg. There's this ropes course, and, uh, and Cohen wants to go on the ropes course. And so Cohen's our six-year-old, and uh, it's like, what, three stories high probably? I mean, it's, it's up there, maybe four. I don't know. It looks a lot taller when you're up there <laughs> than it probably is. You know, it's one of those things. So I'm being the good dad, and I'm like, yes, son, let's go. Now, there's a platform. You've got two ways to get down from the ropes course. You either jump off this platform or you walk down the stairs. Now, Cohen's six. He's not going to jump off this platform, right? He's not even going to want to jump off this platform. So we're up there, and, it, and it's quite comical. Because of his height, I had to be on every ropes obstacle, you know? You know they tell you one at a time? Not when it's like dad and six-year-old kid 30, 40 feet in the air. So... So, uh, man, I just wish y'all were all with me in that moment because I'm like, you know, trying to hold on and balance, uh, and I'm, I'm just great. I was a former gymnast in, a, in another life, and so I'm like walking this tightrope with my six-year-old son. My legs are like twitching. I'm like shaking him all over, and he's like, Dad, stop moving, you know? It's a great bonding experience. But we get to the platform, and we, we do all the ropes, he's having fun. We get to the platform for him to jump off, and he's like clinging. He's like, uh-uh, uh-uh, I'm not doing it. I'm like, thank Jesus, we're good. We're spared. So we do the walk of shame down the stairs, which lots of people do it, it's good. I wasn't the one standing on the platform at that moment. And uh, so anyways, the next day, next morning we're there, nobody's on the ropes course. But our tickets were only good for one time on the ropes course. And so um, Cohen, we're, we're going to do like the little kids ropes course because Jensen wanted Cohen to do that with him. And Cohen just has like this, this moment. We, we asked the people, we had unlimited bands for a couple of days. And so we asked the people, we were like, hey, the, the unlimited bands only one time on the ropes course. They're like, yeah, but nobody's up there. We can get y'all up there. You, buddy, you want to go again? I'm like, no. Because his whole motivation for wanting to go is he didn't jump last night, so he wants to jump today. Oh, yeah. My, some of y'all feel that anxiety, like this building. So the manager was being difficult. He's like, no, we can't let him up. I'm like, thank goodness somebody's playing by the rules here. And uh, then this sweet girl says, that's stupid. I've got passes. I'm going to take y'all in there, and I'm getting y'all back on the ropes course. And, buddy, you're going to jump. <laughs> Britt, you want to go this time? Like, <laughs> What are we doing here? And uh, so, anyways, we go up there, and I'm, Cohen gets back to the platform again and freezes. <laughs> and I'm like, there is no way. This girl just hooked us up with like free passes to jump off this platform. You are going, you know. If it was legal for me to push him off right then, I probably would have. 
But what do I do instead? Buddy, you need me to go first. Yeah. So I'm just like, <laughs> mind over matter. One, two, three. My legs just give out and my butt hits the platform. <laughs> I mean, I was just, it was not happening. <laughs> I'm like, that just really, I mean, my, I like, I paralyzed, could not do it. <laughs> Brittany's videotaping the whole time. Yeah. Good wife. Thanks, babe. Making memories. And uh, <laughs> so then the lady who gave us her passes, she turns on a time clock. Sir, you got 30 seconds on the timer. So I'm like, okay. I begin to look out just like I do on Sundays. Everybody's staring at me. <laughs> Little kids, big old strong dads down there, probably thinking to themselves, what's the joke? I jump off that. No so I start talking back to them. I, I have created this narrative. I'm on the platform. Yeah, it's, it's a lot taller up here than it looks like down there. And then one dad's like, yeah, she just jumped. <laughs> you, this little eight-year-old girl. <laughs> what you got? Then my wonderful, loving wife, she gets the crowd counting when the clock hits 10. I mean, I, I need y'all just to picture this moment. 10. <laughs> None. Where are all these voices coming from? <laughs> and I jumped. I, I jumped. But here's the thing. We, standing on the edge of this platform, I was terrified. You know why I was, why I was terrified? Because all of these things are going through my head. What's the weight limit on this thing, you know? If they really tested this, like, I'm, I was, even the night before, I'm, like, measuring up. No, 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 I need somebody bigger than me. Yeah, I need to make sure this thing is in optimal condition. The, ro- the, 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 the uh, zip line was broken. Why is this thing functioning too? I mean, uh, all of these things. Why? Because it's, it's, it's not the jump. It's what if, what if it doesn't catch me? The most comforting moment was when I jumped and I feel the rope go. And I ease down to the ground because I knew that I wasn't going to break both legs and a bunch of ribs and go spend probably some weeks in the hospital recovering. Uh, The same thing happens when we begin to reject God. The problem is our harness isn't hooked up any longer. See, it may look in that moment like, hey, I can jump and this is going to be a thrill ride. Maybe, maybe you like to torture yourself with heights. I'm not too fond of them myself, and so my legs give out. But if you enjoy that kind of thing, you jump. Why? Because the free fall, the, the, the experience in that moment may feel good, but you better be trusting that you're hooked to something. And not just something, the right something. So you, may, you could jump out of an airplane with no parachute. You're going to have the same experience as another skydiver, but they've got a parachute on. This is the same thing when we reject our relationship with God. We're jumping out of the plane, and we're free-falling, and it may feel good for a moment, but it ends very, very badly. When we reject God, all of our lives end up in the pigsty just like the youngest son. You may think my decisions aren't going to leave, but pastor, I... I'm not as crazy as is the youngest son. I'm not, I'm not blowing as much as, but here's the problem. It all still ends in the pigsty. 
whether on this side of eternity or the other, when we don't have relationship with our Heavenly Father, when our, when our harness is not secured to God that it needs to be, we are bound for disaster. And it all starts when we want the things that he has, but not relationship with the Father. See, every time we break our attachment with God, we're attaching to something else. None of us are really going to jump out of a plane without a parachute. We may attach to someone. We may attach to something else. Like, we, we are going to attach to something. But the problem is our somethings and someones may look drastically different. And so we begin to justify. It, it doesn't always have to be drugs and alcohol and and. and, and bad relationships and all the other things that you could count here. It actually could be some good things. It could be, well, I've started my own business or, or I'm, I'm pursuing this, this healthy relationship. But when we disconnect from God, we're always attaching to something else. The problem is that something else isn't going to guarantee us a safe landing. Not like the parachute that God has for us. So where do we find this son? We find this son in the pigsty. He's hungry because famine struck. Why is he hungry? Because he tried to get his fill on things that were not from the Father. And in the same way, when we begin to chase things, whether it's sinful or whether it's good and it's not God, we are trying to chase our fill on things that will never fill us. The second thing is this. Don't be blinded that both in our evil and our goodness, we can miss the Father's heart. Don't be blinded that both in our evil and our goodness, we can miss the Father's heart. Luke 15, 28 through 30 says this, The older brother became angry and refused to go in because the dad is throwing this big party. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you, never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. Now there's a few things in this passage that's going on. Number one, the father should have never left the party. I don't know if you've ever had one of those moments you're entertaining people at your house, you're hosting a party, and then all of a sudden you, your kids choose this moment to act wild. <laughs> and you're like, how do I get a hold of my kids without everybody questioning my sanity, my parenting skills, and everything in between? You know. If you're hosting a party, the last place you need to be is fielding a conversation on the front porch. The father is being pulled away because this son has missed it. This son thought all of his goodness was going to gain him something. And in that gaining, he missed the father's heart. So he finds himself outside and dad is trying to bring him back. Both of these sons used the father to get what they really loved. This son wanted the status, wanted the wealth. That's why he's slaving for his father because he wants the accolades. He wants the celebration. He wants the honor, the notoriety. And in this moment, he realizes that he put all of his chips, even though on good things were not things of the father's heart. 
Because if he had gotten hold of the father's heart, when he realized that his brother was going and squandering away everything that they had, he would have left where he was to go where the brother was. That's the father's heart. Why do we see this dad respond so counterculturally compared to where it would have been in that moment? A dad hosting a party would never have gone to see why his whining, complaining, judgmental older, brother, older son, he would have never left. He missed it. See, sometimes we read this story and we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if I'm living a life that's just full of all these bad decisions and sinful decisions, I'm missing, I'm missing the father and then the older brother. Well, that, that's just, I shouldn't judge people. No, no, no. It's more than not judging people. It's don't get so caught up in your goodness that you miss the father's heart. We can become so consumed with just making sure we're checking the right boxes that we are missing out on a relationship with our father. Tim Keller wrote a book called Prodigal God. And he said this, if you believe that God ought to bless you and help you because you have worked so hard to obey him and be a good person, then Jesus may be your helper, your example, even your inspiration, but he is not your savior. It's easy for us to be in this moment. It's easy for us to find ourselves in this place. But God, I, I, God I've done everything you've asked of me. We see this happens in, a, in an exchange with Jesus. The rich young ruler comes up and, and, and he wants to follow Jesus. And so he says, I, I, I've kept all your commands. I've, I've never sinned. I've done all these things. But he was missing the heart of the Father. Because when Jesus looks at him and says, okay, sell everything you have and then come follow me, we watch as he turns and walks away. Why? Because he wanted everything Jesus could give him, but he didn't really want Jesus. He wasn't ready to make Jesus his savior. He just wanted Jesus to be his inspiration. He just wanted Jesus to be his helper. Sometimes in our Christian faith, in our walk, if we've been walking in relationship or so to speak, a labeled relationship. We're like, yeah, I'm pastor, I'm a Christian. We had a bunch of those people. They're all, they work with you. They live by you. They may be in your home. There are people who would say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I love Jesus. Yeah, I'm a Christian. But when it comes down to it, Jesus is just inspiring us to make better decisions. He's helping us when we need somebody that maybe we need to get some stuff off of our chest, but he is not our savior. We have missed it. There's a disconnect. And what we find ourselves is standing on the front porch when the father's doing his work on the inside. Both of these sons are using the father in different ways to get what they desire. Keller con continues and he said, elder brothers obey God to get things. They don't obey God to get God himself in order to resemble him, love him, know him, and delight him. So religious and moral people can be avoiding Jesus as Savior and Lord as much as the younger brothers who say they don't believe in God and define right and wrong for themselves. I don't know if you can process that, but this... This is a moment where I feel like 
Jesus is redefining what sin really is. Because it's easy for us, especially if we've got any connection or any upbringing in church, we could list, if I asked you to, to list some sins, we could, we could start calling out probably everybody else's sins besides our own, you know? We could make us a good list. We'll just keep away from the ones we know we still struggle with. But here, here's the challenge because Jesus is not defining sin as just the younger brother who goes and squanders it and he's hanging out with prostitutes and ends up in the pigsty. Jesus is on the other side saying equally as sinful is someone who's so consumed with their good that they miss out on the Father's heart because sin is not something that, that is just bad decisions. Sin is something that breaks the Father's heart. Missing this moment, being so consumed with good, is just as heartbreaking for the father as the one who left and squandered it all. Which means you and I have a responsibility to actually live our life differently, to pursue a relationship with our Lord and Savior, with, to pursue a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Whether, whether we found ourselves in this moment where, where we could identify and say, yeah, I've been the younger son, I, I've gone out, I've made all these awful decisions, and even on the same token... Someone who says, but I've been good all my life. But if you really pause for a moment to ask yourself, do you have a relationship with your father? Now what's your answer? Because relationship, there, there's a depth to that. There's conversations. There, there's quality time. There's, there's things, all those things we mutual pursue. This, it's founded on grace. You're, you're looking at this relationship is harvest. You're sowing into it. That was last week if you didn't catch all that. You're sowing into this relationship is much different than just checking all the boxes that you know that Jesus would want you to check. And don't get me wrong. When you have relationship, the boxes get checked. Because you know the Father's heart, and the Father's heart is for you to pursue the lost. But to pursue the Father's heart. To grab hold. To allow that to, to lead your, your life. This past week, Cohen has been, um, he's a well-behaved kid, but he likes to talk. And, uh, and he's in first grade. So... He had gone through like six or seven days straight of, of getting green, which green is ready to learn. It's where they start every day, which is not a bad thing. Most of you are like, oh, I'd be so grateful if my child just got green every day. That's awesome. But we, we just we want to encourage him, like be a leader. Like we, we're, we're praying and speaking these things into our kids' lives now because I don't want to wake up one day and say, oh, now you're 14. Okay, be a leader and, and do the right thing, you know. It starts now. And so uh, I had a moment of weakness. And, uh, and so this past week, I was tired of seeing Green come home every day. So I'm like, oh, I've got, I've, I've got a great idea. We'll pay him. <laughs> now we're talking his language. Okay, but you clip up once, you get a dollar. You clip up twice, two dollars. You clip up three times, we'll give you five dollars. Now you may think, well, that's not a lot. I'm like thinking the compound, like what if he keeps getting like clipped up three times for the rest of school? This is going to be an expensive deal I'm negotiating right here. What does he get the next day? He clips up three times. I owe that kid $5. 
But Brittany had a moment, and, and I felt real convicted afterwards, and, and God reminded me of this when I was preparing. She looked and she said, you know we can't pay him to make the right decisions the rest of his life. Oh, God, now i got to go back and like, <laughs> sorry, son, your mom's right. I shouldn't have done this, you know. But here's what happens. This, this, this is how we live our life. We make good decisions because we want this reward. We feel like, oh, God will give me this if I make these right decisions, but it should not be based on that. I want Cohen to make the right decisions when he goes to school because he recognizes that God has put him in that position to influence his friends around him and the circles God's put him in, and that should motivate us to do the right thing. It's not that you don't do the right thing. Don't hear me. Oh, pastor said it doesn't matter if we're good or bad. We can have a relationship with the Father. Yes, that's true. But that relationship changes the decisions we make. Changes how we live our life. But here's the, the greatest part of this story. It's point three. Jesus invites us as older and younger brothers to be a part of the family. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad. Because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. There's so much comfort in knowing that whether we've lived like the youngest or we've lived like the oldest, our father still wants us to be in the family. It doesn't matter how, you may be here today and you're like, I, I've lived a good life for the last 30 years. But the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, but you have no relationship. You've done a good thing. See, when, when, we, when we leave from this side of eternity to the other, I'm living my life so that I get a well done, good and faithful servant. I'm not looking, well, you're good. Because here, here's what that does, no relationship. We'll get a, you did a good thing, but depart from me, I don't, I don't know you. I don't have relationship with you. God intends for us to be a part of the family. But there's a few things that, that I watch here, even in this moment. Do you see that the father actually goes to both sons where they are? The father met the youngest son as he was coming down the road to return home. He goes, he goes outside of his house to meet the older brother right where he is. Sometimes we overcomplicate this and we, we hold back from making this life-changing decision, whether we're on the good side or the bad side. We, we, we hesitate because we're like, well, I gotta get my house in order. I gotta get all these things right. I gotta be able to fully make this decision before I'm ready. And the father has come right where we are. I'm convinced if they had like the Life 360 and Find My Friends app back then, the, the dad would have gone to the pigsty. Why? Because that's the father's heart. He's going to find us right where we are. God doesn't have to have us come to a church service so that we can make a decision to follow him. We're just always going to create space for that because we never know what sons and daughters are coming home today. And we want there always to be the, the confidence within our family that, hey, every week we, we know if there's a lost son or a lost daughter that's coming home, there's going to be an opportunity for them to feel loved and embraced by the Father. 
There's going to be a church that's ready to throw robes on them, rings on them, throw, let's kill the fatted calf. Maybe we need to start doing barbecue rich with our baptism Sundays. Let's get real spiritual here. That should be the biggest celebration we ever have. Why? Because there's something to be said when death is coming to life. That's the Father's heart. We don't get bitter. We don't get so consumed with our, with our good deeds or so low that all we can see is our life in the pigsty. We know that our Father wants us to come in, to come home. One author, and I'll close with this, in talking about where this parable was targeted, said the parable wasn't targeted to the lost. It wasn't targeted to the father. It was targeted to the older brothers. Jesus did not end these parables with a go and do likewise. Luke did not end this chapter with go and imitate Jesus. The main thing here is look at Jesus. Consider Jesus. Know Jesus. Learn what kind of person it is that you say you trust and love and worship. Watch him. Listen to him. Stand in awe of him. Let him overwhelm you with the way he is. See, Jesus has invited us to be a part of the family. He chose us. When we really start to peel back these layers, we are overwhelmed with this Father's love because we can't see ourselves making the same decisions. Let that overwhelm you today. But know Jesus. Learn. Listen. Stand in awe. You see, there's two ways to get lost in this story. There's a younger brother pursuing sin. Older brother pursuing good deeds. But while there's two ways to get lost, there's only one way to be found. And that's to step back into the house in relationship with the Father. He wants you to come home. He wants your friends and family to come home. He wants your kids to come home. He wants your coworkers to come home. He wants your parents to come home. He wants your neighbors to come home. And he's pursuing them. So many times they're stuck in the pigsty. Or maybe there's a lot of people in Greenville who are hanging outside the party saying, no, 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 I'm good. I may even be mad about what's going on in the church. I may be mad about what's going on with the real Christians because, well, I'm not experiencing that. I haven't had that. But it's because they've been blinded and they're lost. But the Father is saying, come home. So let's bow our heads today as we close. If you're here today and you just say, Pastor, I, it's, it's time for me to come home. Maybe, maybe I've been the lost son that's, that's run and made all these bad decisions. Maybe I've been the older brother that's made a lot of good decisions and that's blinded me from realizing I need a relationship with the Father. But today, it doesn't matter what side you're on. One side's not better or worse than the other. Both are missing the Father. So if you're here today and you just say, Pastor, I, I need to begin that relationship. I need to get my relationship back. See, both these sons, they had relationship at some time with their father, but they came home. And you'd say, today is my day. Will you just slip your hand up? Nobody's looking. Just me. 
Anybody else? Yeah. Anybody else? I see it. <laughs> Coming home. Can we repeat this prayer after me? Dear Jesus, I'm coming home. Forgive me for all of my mess, all of my blindness. You are my father. Help me to love you. Help me to grow in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we get excited for those that made a decision to follow Jesus today?